0: You're listening to the Geek With Envy Podcast. Welcome to the Geek With Envy Podcast. I am Richard Vincenzi Jr., and this is episode number one. That's right, episode number one, our first podcast. Really excited about this. I've been wanting to do a podcast for some time now, and I think now is a good time to start. So I hope you guys enjoy this. We'll be putting a post up. By the time you see this, there'll be a post up for the podcast, announcing the podcast. If you have any feedback, any suggestions, please feel free to put that underneath that post, and we will respond promptly. So thanks again for your support in the community. At the time of this podcast, we are approaching 1,000 likes on Facebook. Really excited about that, guys. It's really awesome. So this thing's only been a couple months old here, and we're getting a lot of support. I really appreciate it. A lot of hard work goes into this, and uh, we're going to continue to do that. So, again, thank you very much for supporting our efforts. All right, so let's jump right in. Got some news here, actually. Uh, One of the first things I see that we posted recently is is a hacker has taken on the World of Warcraft. And it looks like a hacker was able to clear out whole cities by running around with level 1 characters, killing all NPCs and players within Stormwind, Orgrimmar, major cities, killing all of them over and over again. That means when you spawn, respawn, come back, you're getting taken down all over again. can't do anything. There's some videos out there flying around on YouTube of this happening. And initially, there was no response from Blizzard. But uh, recently, community manager Nathera for Blizzard Entertainment posted a statement about the issue mentioning that they had fully addressed it. And I'll go ahead and read that. It says, Earlier today, certain realms were affected by an in-game exploit, resulting in the deaths of player characters and non-player characters in some of the major cities. This exploit has already been hot-fixed, so it should not be repeatable. It's safe to continue playing and adventuring in major cities and elsewhere in Azeroth. As with any exploit, we are taking this disruptive action very seriously and conducting a thorough investigation. If you have any information relating to this incident, please email hacks at blizzard.com. We apologize for the inconvenience some of you experienced as a result of this, and we appreciate your understanding. Again, that is the official post by Blizzard community manager Nathara. So they have they've gotten this, uh, or they've got this on lockdown. So they've got in there and they they fixed this whole uh, insecurity or whatever it is that's been giving a lot of players a lot of headaches. Let's put it that way. You're running around your major city and your your home city for alliance or hoard and you're trying to get stuff done. You can't. It's not going to happen. It's been hacked into. You got this guy over here giving you the touch of death. You want to get that auction house stuff pulled or collect your money from your mailbox or whatever the heck you got going on. Maybe you're just trying to get into the bank, maybe you're doing some transmog. Mm, not gonna happen. That sucks. These are the kind of hacks that really suck because they impact players. They impact subscribers. Paying subscribers, that is. So, Blizzard's usually pretty quick about this stuff because of that fact. Because you are a paying subscriber. And fortunately, it looks like they've shut this one down. Now, you know, you get your laughs when this kind of stuff happens. I mean, initially it's kind of funny, but again, This one, not so funny, initially maybe, but once you realize you can't do anything and you can't go anywhere, get things done, that's when it really starts to suck. So, I was thinking back to this, actually the last time I've seen a hack like this, or anything close to this, it's been a while. At least on my server, I do play World of Warcraft, I'm an active player, Um, and I and I, I haven't seen anything in a while. In fact, the last time that I can recall something it must be early Kata, maybe maybe late Wrath of the Lich King, actually. It's been some time since I've seen anything. And uh, it was really strange, really strange stuff. You'd be in the middle of the city and all of a sudden you'd see corpses everywhere. Really random stuff, right? Uh Level 1 players floating around without mounts, just kind of hovering there. Trying to spell things with corpses floating in the air and summoning strange things, leveling from 1 to 80 in 5 seconds with strange animations occurring and just really weird stuff. It wasn't quite so player impacting because you could just walk around them. It wasn't like this one where you know you're being killed and you can't do anything. It's basically like PvP when you're trying to get something done in a PvP realm and you're being camped. Well, that's what was happening. Your massive camp hack I guess if you want to call it that. So, but anyway, Blizzard's on that got it fixed so players can continue to do what they gotta do. Moving on, I also wrote something this week about something I don't normally think about or bring up too often, but uh, the subject gets brought up often, but this program in particular doesn't get brought up too often and I'm not sure why. It's actually a really great program. I was asked today, the other day, about which programs are good for Windows PC protection against a variety of malware. So, not just one specific thing but pretty much kind of everything you know a general overall good malware protection program and I did mention a bunch of different applications I don't necessarily only go with one because there are so many options out there that do work and not every application is perfect for everybody there's some things that work really well for some people and some things that work really well for other people so I try to offer a kind of a, a few things, a little bit of a variety when I bring up security protection and malware protection and one that i that came up almost surprisingly uh, came to mind was Microsoft Security Essentials. You know it's a Microsoft product, but it's a it's a real it's a really good product and why why is it a good product? Well, for starters, it's free, okay. I know that's not unique, but it's free. And there's a lot of them out there that cost a pretty good amount of money, but it's free. It's worth it to try, wouldn't you think? The other thing about it is it doesn't have a ton of garbage in the UI. It's really simple to use. It's really straightforward. It doesn't take up a bunch of system resources. These are problems that I have consistently with other programs, other anti-malware programs, bogging down the system, using up system resources. This is not one of those applications. It's fairly lightweight when it comes to resource usage, and that's one of the things that I like about it. The other thing is, it updates daily. So you know you've got a strong definition library behind you. They're constantly looking for new threats. Now I know daily updates can be annoying for some people but these aren't real intrusive. They're super easy to do. They only take uh, seconds in some cases to update maybe a minute. It has three scan modes a lot like in any other good scan program uh, for malware. It's got full scan, quick scan, and a custom scan mode now most of the time you're going to be using the quick scan mode do mine on a daily basis on my Windows 7 machine and it, run, it runs really quickly it gets through things really quickly and I really like that about that it's it's thorough but it's quick and if you need a deeper scan you have the full scan option there I run that one uh, for me I run it once a week I do a full scan with quick scans in between and initially when you do the installation of the application it does go through a very thorough scan of the system and this is again during the installation but after that everything is up to you as far as how you want to scan and uh, the primary scan you'll probably be doing is the quick scan which is really fast and um, it works really well. Another thing that's really nice about Microsoft Security Essentials is that it doesn't get in the way of applications that I know are good. And this isn't a huge problem across all applications that do malware protection, but it is something that I have ran into in the past where background applications are being blocked. And it causes the main application to act funny or in some cases even crash this microsoft security Essential seems to be relatively smart about what's running and i haven't had any problems yet fortunately with that happening with this i haven't had to go in and make a huge exception list or anything like that it works really well around that kind of stuff and that's something else i really appreciate but as i mentioned in the post and i mentioned now like just like any other malware solution it's never going to be perfect and as always the best protection against malware is just common sense and just be cautious out there tread the interwebs carefully as I mentioned be proactive in reducing your risk of getting malware stick to sites that you know Stick to places that you go frequently, that you aren't, that you trust, that you've been to before. And if you don't know those websites, there's ways to check them out. We've got Site Advisor, McAfee Site Advisor, SiteAdvisor.com. You can type in an address there. You don't even have to download anything, and you can get a quick little uh, rundown of that website and whether or not it may or may not contain malicious code or malicious programs or things like that. So, just think, you know, stop yourself when you're out there and ask, hey, is this is this a place, is this one of those deep, dark corners of the interwebs that I don't want to be in, you know? And it's not just web browsing. You know, one of the big things, one of the big ways to get malware in your system is through email. Yeah, through email. And you know where that stuff's coming from? It's not coming from the spam a lot of times. Yeah, there's... There's a lot of tricky spam out there, there's some of these phishing techniques that work really well at getting people to follow links and give personal information away. But what's scary is a lot of these emails are coming from family and friends, trusted senders, and they don't realize that they're passing along malware. And that's scary. You know, you've got some joke that's being sent to you, that's been sent to many other people, it's just been forwarded on and on and on down the line, and it finally gets back to you, and uh, maybe the last person to receive it before you was your mom, or your sister or your brother or something, and they send you this thing and go, man, this is hilarious. Check this thing out, follow this link, click this, whatever it is, and you go there and Next thing you know, you're having problems. You know, you get a call, hey, you having issues with your system? Yeah, me too. I wonder what happened. So just be cautious, regardless of the source, what's going on out there. And uh, just be careful. And Microsoft, again, Microsoft Security Essentials is a really good, uh, really good malware solution. It really is. I think it's a good one. It works on Windows XP, Vista, and Windows 7. The only major requirement here is that you have a genuine copy of Windows running. That may be a problem for some people. But if you're legit, you're good to go, product is free, ready to download. And if you're unhappy, as I mentioned in the the post, if you're unhappy with your current malware solution, why not give it a shot? I recommend giving it a shot. If you're out there testing products out, throw this one in the mix. And I think you'll like it. I think you'll like what it has to offer. I think you'll like how lightweight it is. I think you'll like how easy it is to use. So go for it. Give it a shot. Uh, I will be going over some other stuff in the future. But today it's all about Microsoft Security Essentials, right? So remember, you can always go back what you had before. And it's free. So why not? Right? So moving on to uh, another World of Warcraft news, if you want to put it that way, uh, to other World of Warcraft news. Let's talk about sales numbers for this release. Let's talk about anticipation for the game. A lot of stores didn't have midnight launches for this game due to low pre-sales. And this is unusual for World of Warcraft because they really are a big hitter. They're a big player in the market. Okay, they're huge. World of Warcraft is big business and we didn't have a midnight launch in a lot of areas. A lot of stores did not do it. I know that we've had some GameStops and things around here that didn't do anything because they just didn't have any incentive to based on sales numbers. And that's sad. That's really sad because the Blizzard World of Warcraft franchise has been great. Um sales however seem to be picking up and this is good because i've had a chance to jump into the expansion i haven't had a whole lot of time to be involved in this new expansion but Mr. the pandaria is really beautiful at the very least it's a really cool game and it's got a lot of new features and there's a whole lot of replayability involved there's a lot of thought put into place not only in the current content and leveling, but in keeping it fresh well after level 90. And I think Blizzard has over the years really caught on to how to make a really good MMORPG, and they've done that with Miss Pandaria. The new sales figures indicate uh, From Blizzard, that they have sold approximately 2.7 million copies of the game. And that the overall subscriber base has surpassed 10 million. So we're back over 10 million. Which is great news, considering they've had a rather large loss of subscribers beforehand. uh, During Cataclysm. Some point out it was, was the difficulty of the previous expansion. Among other things. Blizzard also pointed out that these figures do not take into account a Chinese release of the game, which is expected to push sales even higher. So, and they've really been playing on that. They've really been talking about the Chinese release not being out yet and not included in these, uh, in this 2.7 million subscriber number, or I'm sorry, 2.7 million copies sold figure that they've thrown out. So we can may even go even higher, which would be great because I think this is a really good expansion. And from what I've seen, it's a really back-to-roots feel. And that's what their goal is, I think, with this, is to really get back to orcs and humans. And uh, I think they're getting that across. And it's what makes it stand out from previous expansions. Now, Mimissa the Pandaria was criticized very early on from members of the community for being for introducing the Pandaren race essentially and uh, bringing that Pandaren deeper into World of Warcraft lore. Um, but I think people are starting to get over that and I think they're really starting to realize that this is still a Blizzard title and it's still a great World of Warcraft game. And The features alone, I mean, even if you don't like the Pandaren, they don't make up the whole game, you know? Yeah, there's some Pandaren running around. If you really hated them, though, I mean, don't roll one, you know? I mean, you you don't have to play the Pandaren. It's still the same game, but in a lot of ways it's not because we've got so many new features added, uh, as I've mentioned, like challenge modes. I mean, they're... That's, a, that's awesome. Challenge modes are really, really awesome. They bring a whole new reason to do instances after you've done them over and over so many times. You now have a new incentive to get back in these things. And I mean, it's great because your gear is adjusted so that way there's no advantage. Okay, so so everything's being adjusted. You're in there, you're on the same playing f- level playing field and you're competing for these times. And then what makes it even better is now you have these challenge mode leaderboards. And that's great because you've got a whole new reason to brag about something your guild has done. Something you guys have done, a whole new accomplishment that you you get to brag about. And I think it's really slick. I think it's really slick. I like the way they're implementing this stuff. And guys, if you're not into this expansion yet, Really, I mean, just these features alone, just this one, I think is really great and a good reason to, to give this expansion a shot. And uh, what about the new talent tree? The new, less static, simplified talent tree. I, you know, I saw this thing and thought, okay, here we go again. Another talent tree change. What are we going to do? You know, here we go again. Now we've got to redo all this stuff. It's the most straightforward thing, and I've got to be honest with you, it's the most rewarding talent tree you'll ever use. I'm going out and saying that because it really does feel like your character is customized when you're done using this thing. And you don't feel like you had to give up some you don't feel like you're taking points and stupid points, useless points. You're not going out, you're not going on the internet, you're not trying to find the perfect build that some genius has put together, right? Uh, and it's just something that you want to customize or the way you want to customize your character and it works really well. I think this is one of the best one of the best if not the best talent tree system now. I know it's not perfect, but They've really done a good job with balancing out your choices and you really can feel like, you know, your choices have an impact. You know, it's not just some random talent that you don't even know what it's doing half the time because you only picked it because you were told to from a website. Really bland before, you know, and this makes it reinvigorates, it makes it fun again. Uh, And I notice another thing, too, after after players are hitting the level cap of 90, there's still content out there to chew through. There's still new places to go, even after you've hit level 90. So there's a lot of replayability here. There's a lot of continued questing and really good stuff out there. There's some new dailies out there, some farming dailies and stuff like this that are really neat uh, that we haven't seen quite before. And I really hope that as time goes on, more and more people who have wrote off Mists of Bendere will jump into the new world. And although it has changed quite a bit um, from day one till now, I mean, my gosh, how different World of Warcraft is nowadays. Um, but in a lot of ways, it's, it's still the same great game. And, you know, Blizzard has always been really close with their community and supported the game and supported their community. So, and, this is, and this is no different so I, I say go out there and embrace if you love the game go out there and play it and just take that whatever pre- preconceived notion you have and, and give it a shot so good expansion Um, in, sticking in the gaming world a little bit here uh, Xbox music I really like the thought of this I really like this idea uh, what is Xbox music well It's a rebranded Zoom, okay? That's basically what it is. Rebranded Zoom application. Um, It's going to be released relatively soon. Uh, Most likely, uh, it's going to be released alongside Windows 8. Now, Xbox Music won't be available just on the Xbox, but it will also be available on Windows 8 PCs, tablets, and Windows Phone as well. Now, I'm excited about this because this seems really cool, and there's a lot of new features. Well, let's just say uh, right off the bat that there's a lot of buzz going around about these features. There hasn't been official word on these as of today, Uh, but what I'm hearing, I'm getting excited about the buzz, so I don't want to propagate any rumors, but um, it looks interesting. It really does. Uh, The new service will allow existing subscribers to migrate through the rebranding, So if you have content through Zoom, that will make it over to Xbox Music, hopefully without a glitch. And as we get closer to the launch, we're starting to hear things about uh, some features like an ad-based streaming. Like ad-based streaming, okay? So we're talking about uh, something similar to Spotify, I would be guessing which I think would be great, Uh, free streaming music, really. I mean, all you have to do is hear an ad, and you've got free streaming music. And on the Xbox, which is already a media center, I consider it more of a media hub, media center than a gaming console. That would just make it that much better. And, you know, I, I think, I really hope that that's the direction that they're going with Xbox Music, because I will gladly jump in on that. Because I do use my Xbox for a lot of things, uh, as I said before, it's a media hub. I've got all my games on there, I've got music on there, I've got pictures on there, you know I've got marketplace apps and things like that too, if you want to call them the little apps, the little games that you download, the downloadable content, and uh to have streaming music would be really nice. The Xbox itself is really my favorite Microsoft experience and it combines all of my entertainment in one place. It's a simple, simple easy to use interface. Now, I think Xbox Live has done really well considering and it, with everything in there it's really, like I said, it's really more than a gaming console and And having this streaming feature will be really nice and, and thinking ahead uh, for the next obvious direction of the Microsoft or Microsoft console, I, I can only imagine that this new music service will be integrated with SkyDrive because SkyDrive in the cloud is huge and I mentioned it in a lot of my posts about the importance of cloud computing and having a seamless transition between your devices a seamless link between all your devices is something that Apple has captured and done really well. And we want to see this on our Microsoft devices as well, on our Windows 8 devices. And I think uh, that's something that we want to see with Xbox Music. Um, So hopefully we'll have have cloud connectivity there between our, our Windows 8 devices. And as I talk about this, I recall something that Tim Cook said from apple Apple CEO mentioned uh mentioned Windows eight and its uh you know cloud link, so to speak, between other devices, and uh kind of made fun of it, saying, with the variety of hardware that Windows eight will run on, how can you ensure that users have a familiar experience?" on all their devices. Something that feels like it flows between device after device seamlessly. And uh, I think that's something that Microsoft will figure out as time goes on. And uh, I think they'll handle it better than Tim Cook thinks. But maybe not, I don't know, but they're taking the right steps. Okay, and they're moving forward and I think they're making some, some smart moves here. They're definitely being bold. And, uh, well, Windows 8 is kind of a whole other thing in itself, right? I mean, let's jump into that a little bit, okay? Because Windows 8, now I've been involved with Windows 8 for some time. I was using the developer preview, and I had a chance to look at the beta and everything, and I checked it on the release candidate, too. And overall... I have a genuine excitement about it but I have this weird feeling. And I think a lot of us do. We just have this weird feeling. Like is this really going to work? Are they really doing this? Because it is, it's that different. And there's a few things that really bugged me about it early on that I'm trying to get over and one of them One of them is that Microsoft didn't fully dive into their new, to their new design. They they kind of did it 50-50. You know, your old desktop's still kind of there in the background. And I get why maybe they would try to do that, because we've got a lot of legacy applications that are going to need to use that desktop environment. Okay, we're only going to work best in that desktop environment, but... You almost want them to really fully commit to it. Maybe that's what Windows 8 is all about. Maybe that if this really catches on and does really well and people are very happy with the new UI and everything, the next release will be a full blown Windows 8 experience, the new experience. I keep going to the Metro experience, if you want to call it that. But one of my major hang-ups is the Windows 8 desktop and my interaction with it on my desktop. And even in lap, a laptop, I mean, it just feels weird. And why is that? Well, because it's designed for touch. And it feels funny. It really feels funny. And I couldn't figure it out initially. I thought about it, and I thought, and I, I was doing some reading about it, and I'm thinking, why, what could make this experience more fluid with Windows 8 on my desktop or on my laptop? As opposed to a tablet. And it dawned on me that Apple does this really well. Another thing about Apple is that they have incorporated gestures into OS X. And gestures, these are the same gestures that you're using on your iPad, they're the same gestures you're using on your iPod Touch, they're the same gestures that you're using on your iPhone. You can use them in OS 10. In fact, there's new, even more gestures that you can use in OS 10, And it makes it really smooth. And that's what I think, I think that Windows 8 needs on the desktop is to move away from the mouse and use the touch input on your desktop or on your laptop and that will get rid of the disconnect at least for me I think and using a touchpad instead of a mouse I think is really smart I think that's the right way to go now it's not going to be perfect for everything obviously for gaming we're not going to be using touchpads okay that's just not going to work I've tried that before uh... I Let's just, for on the Mac, for instance, I've I've played Uber Strike. It's a first-person shooter game. It's really fun, by the way, if you've never played it. I was thinking about bringing attention to that on the website. But we've mentioned it here, a podcast exclusive, right? Uber Strike. It's in the App Store. It's free. It's a really cool game. It's really fun. Uh, It's very, I don't want to say basic, but man, it is. It's a really fun first-person shooter, but... Uh, you know, obviously you don't want to game with these track pads if you want, you know, or touch pads. Um but for the you for the UI and the on the on the desktop environment and on the laptop environment for Windows 8, I think the major disconnect there is the mouse. And I think with a gesture system in place using a touchpad, uh that will feel a lot smoother. So that's something that uh, I wrote about and I think I'd like to see that the touch interface become more prominent um, in the desktop environment and the laptop environment for Windows 8 which I'm sure we'll see. And uh, Jumping into another topic, uh, self-driving cars. Self-driving cars in California, Governor Jerry Brown recently signed a self-driving car bill. At Google's headquarters, uh, the bill was designed to help lay out safety guidelines for self-driving cars. Now, Google car co-founder uh, Sergey Sergey Brin uh, told talked about how anonymous cars or autonomous cars will make our roads much safer, and I completely agree with this. I thought about it, and I it sounds so crazy, self-driving cars, but if you take a lot of the human error out of driving, we can have a much safer experience. I mean, really think about that for a minute. If you get past the initial fear of losing control, I mean, you're re- and you're really not. There's going to be a manual override. You're still going to be behind the wheel. In fact, uh, part of the bill explains that, uh, that you must be behind the wheel and ready to take over at a moment's notice. But you shouldn't have to. And I think that this is really a great direction for us to be moving. Because driving is really unsafe. And it's very, it's one of the worst ways to travel, according to statistics. It's one of the most dangerous ways to travel. And this can only improve things. I mean, we only, we have, the only direction we have to go is up, right? I mean, we've got such a terrible, terrible, time with driving and keeping safe. The drunk driving and things like that, plaguing our roads, speeding and things like that. Non-issue, right? Because it's all automatic. That's what I'm talking about. Sounds like science fiction. but there These cars are already out there. Google's already got this stuff out there. These, these self-driving cars are here, man. And the technology exists, and they're making it better. And Google is, is, is first in line, right? To start working on this stuff, right? I mean, and really making it work. And, uh, you know, it kind of, a lot of things come to mind, you know, about self driving cars. And without human error, could you, theoretically, you could increase travel speed? You know, the, the speed limits would be much different because everything's automatic. Could we travel at like 200 miles an hour, you know? We'd be flying down the freeway. Boy, doesn't that sound kind of scary right now, though? 200 miles an hour and you're not in control. I don't know. We have to get used to that, right? Then I think about the weird stuff. I think about kids growing up, you know, a generation where everything's automatic, where cars drive themselves, right? And they're always gonna always think about what are they gonna do? What's gonna be that generation's thing? And they're gonna be smart, you know. And of course, they're gonna probably hack into these things. And there's always gonna be that guy that hacked into his uh, hit into his car, and uh, he can do all kinds of crazy stuff that most of the normal models can't. He's overclocked his car, so to speak, and he's driving around at uh, whatever speed, you know, erratically. And I always think that's kind of a neat thing to think about. You know, it reminds me of the fifth element. And uh, and uh, how, if you remember in that movie, Bruce Willis, when you get into the car, it knows the driver. And it keeps track of how many points you have on your, on your license and things like that. And, you know, when you lose all the points, you can't drive the car anymore. So it's all digitally tracked. And I think, I think in a lot of ways, with the exception of the flying part, Uh, that's kind of the direction we're headed and people probably modding their vehicles um, to try to circumvent the system and you're gonna you're gonna be dealing with a whole new thing there but uh, you know comes with the territory right another major concern too that I always was thinking about is liability I mean what happens when they do mess up I mean they're gonna mess up right this is like we said before a lot of things aren't perfect and You know, speaking of human error, I mean, humans are the ones creating these cars. They are the ones creating this uh, software that drives these things, and it's bound to be buggy, which, you know, who's liable in that situation? You know, if car, computer A hits computer B, I mean, who gets the bill, right? How how does insurance work all of a sudden? Now we have a totally different dynamic for insurance with auto-driving cars. You know, how do you... How do you wrap all that up into a policy? So that's pretty wild, you know, I think. But my bottom line is, the potential safety advantages of having a self-driving car are what's gonna push this technology forward, and it is the number one reason why I think it will succeed. So, remember that. I, I think that's really what's gonna drive this. And like I said before, we really have nowhere to go but up. And uh, driving is dangerous, and I think this will really, really bring a level of safety to the automobile that we've never seen. And and like I said, the technology is here, man. And we have, we have self-driving cars. We have self-parking cars. I know we've seen the commercials for those. The time, The time is now. One other topic, one last topic that I really w- want to get into a little bit. It's not a huge, huge topic, but it's pretty cool. And I, I just wanted to address this is, is if you've been paying attention lately, or maybe you haven't been, Um, MySpace. MySpace has really redesigned their whole site. MySpace is trying to make a comeback. You know, MySpace used to dominate social networking. I mean, we all remember it. We all had one. And if you remember, when it first came out, it was great. I mean, this was, this was social networking at its best when it first came out, right? I mean, we were just like, wow, this is amazing stuff. But if you remember towards the back end of all, that towards the end of this MySpace era, really got kind of crazy. And MySpace really felt very sloppy compared to this Facebook which was so clean. I mean Facebook is so clean. What a great interface. You know? Very straightforward. And MySpace just felt sloppy. In fact some MySpace pages were so bogged down with content and animated gifs and i don't know what else would be on these things Uh, 15 different songs playing on some of these things i mean just poorly organized poorly created myspace pages and it just felt like garbage really drawing outside the lines here and i mean i'm fine with it but i mean sometimes it's just like whoa this is horrid what am i looking at and (laughs) i mean it was bad i mean think about myspace and remember that stuff, because it's wild, isn't it? But that seems to be all in the past now. MySpace is a brand new look, and I gotta say, it looks really good. The interface looks really smooth, and it looks like it'll fit in perfectly with Windows 8, and that's what else is really awesome about it. I think it's, it's gonna be good for touch. For any touch base OS, the new MySpace look was really nice. I think it's gonna I, I don't know, like, call me crazy, but I think it's gonna it's gonna catch some it's gonna gain some momentum here. And I think if the advertising campaign does really well uh for for the new MySpace, I think they're gonna do really well. And if you go uh onto our post on geekwithenvy.com and uh you can go right down to the bottom and you'll see towards the bottom there I have MySpace ready for round two or you can always go to our search bar at the top right uh, at the find what you're looking for here section and you can type in myspace and that'll bring up the article for you if you look at that article at the very bottom I have the link there uh, where you can see a new video that shows off the new website and if there's also a link below that where you can just go right to the website directly itself and check things out so it's the new myspace and it looks it looks really good. I didn't think I'd ever say that. I didn't think I'd ever I, I didn't think I would be talking about MySpace anytime soon. So now that pretty much sums up everything for today's episode. Again, this is episode one and we're wrapping things up here. Remember, visit deekwithenvy.com for the latest updates and news and technology and more. Remember that uh, Geek with Envy is at its heart, built around my passion for the many aspects of the world that may be categorized as geeky. Our mission is to inform and discuss the latest topics in technology, gaming, computing, electronics, gadgets, gizmos, and more, and that we ask you join our community and help contribute by commenting, providing feedback, supporting our social media efforts as we continue to grow. We're almost up to a 1,000 likes now. Facebook. I'm really excited about that. We'll be updating the site daily. We've been updating it every day. We've got a new post on, it. and we're hoping to add more in the future. Uh, we're looking. We're going to be looking for some new content contributors. If you've got something to say, hey, mail it to us, Rich Vincenti, Richard Vincenti at geekwithenvy.com. Email me. That's Richard Vincenti at geekwithenvy.com. you've got something uh, that we haven't addressed or if you've got something that, some content you think you'd like us to put up there, we're let us know because we like to keep things fresh here. We like to keep things going. We like to put new content out there, that's what it's all about, right, content. So again, we are on Facebook, Twitter, Google Plus, we've got the links in the top right corner of the website. If you've got an RSS feed, if you want to subscribe to that, get that put right in there. Get that RSS feed right into your favorite RSS app. And we're going to be doing these podcasts. I think I'm going to, like I said, I'm going to do these weekly, I think, at this point. That may change in the future. But right now, I'm going to stick to a, I think a weekly routine here. We do a weekly podcast. And uh, that's it. Thank you again for, for all your support. And again, uh, leave your feedback on episode one on the post for episode 1's podcast uh, on the Geek With Envy site, which should be up by the time you hear this podcast. Thanks again. I'm Richard Vincenzi Jr. for geekwithenvy.com Lead Content Contributor and you have a great day.